if your systems is so complicated or inconsistent that it requires a world-class talent to operate it, it becomes extremely difficult to grow the business. Great experiences build great leaders. Great leaders build great teams. This is Building Great Sales Teams. All right, guys, welcome back to Building Great Sales Teams. I've got a very, very special guest today, Ibrahim Hussein. He's the founder and team lead at Affinity Affinity Real Estate, a mega team for EXP Realty. They just won the award for the number one team in Canada. They've done 400 million in sales in their first or fourth year in the company. Ibrahim, welcome to the show, brother. Doug, brother, it's an honor to be here. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I'm so excited, man, because, you know, when it comes to building great sales teams, um, you obviously are an icon in that you know, with your real estate team in Canada. Um, congrats on that designation that you guys recently got. And uh, obviously it's no small feat, I can imagine. So what I wanted to ask you is, you know, and I know this is a probably a 20 year answer, but <laughs> how were you guys able to pull off that accomplishment? Uh, well, a understanding uh, the what, I'm not a big firm believer of the why. I mean, there is there is a whole idea of having a big why, why, why. It's, it's fine. I, I believe why is a negative word. It causes people to retrieve and, and defend. Hey, dog, why didn't you do that? You don't have a big why. Your why is not big enough. Why, okay. why? Let me just take a step back and defend myself why I don't have a why. So it's, <laughs> I, I, uh, I believe in the what. What are the one reason that causes you to uh, wake up in morning and don't take anything for granted and make mm-hmm. sure you make that account? And what are the reasons behind how many lives you want to impact? And money is good for the good it can do. So the more money we have, the more tools we use to do good things so people hear about and people that we like. So um, I started... As the, uh, I started on a team, I believe a team is the way to go, personally. So I started on a team, um, six months in, we went to a different direction, became a solo agent. I'm in the real estate sales business, so for for context. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, uh, I did this for about two years, and then I had an idea that if I would like to be part of a company, what would that company look like? If I would like to be part of a real estate sales team, what would that team look like that I will be like, you know what? I'm going to join that team. It's, it's a simple, you know, no complicated, mm-hmm. no like, no like fashionable opinions, you know, luxurious beliefs, none of that. It's just simple, you know? Um, and then as, as a, as a cliche, as that might sound, I'm like, you know what, let's just build a company that we're going to find. Um, and went ahead and then put the, put the framework of what the team should look like, what mm-hmm. the structure, like what the vision what the plan what the core values what the belief system what the foundation i don't have i don't have a mission statement or a vision statement which is as every other coach keeps saying you have to have a vision statement you have to have a mission statement 
And in Dark Brother, like here is one thing I believe in: there is no right way or wrong way of doing anything. There is no right way, wrong way. You do what works for you. Mm-hmm. But what I what I've what I've realized is, um, if you wanna subscribe to the substance, not to the hype, mm-hmm. um, you're gonna have to have substance behind everything you're saying and everything you're doing. So I, if I looked at any random hundred company, just random, different industries, whatever right. that might be. And can everybody show me their mission statement and everybody show me their vision statement? You're going to have like 90% similarity, just tweaking a little bit different words to be the best company to provide best real estate service, best customer service, best like diverse mm-hmm. for mothers, you know, like everything, just like every, like it just like everybody. Um, so we did a something uh, with the company foundations. What is the foundation yeah. that we're building the company on? So. There is no mission statement. There is no visual statement. We're going to be the best in the world. That's for sure. We don't have to talk about that. But whatever the hell that might be, we're building on what? So what is the foundation? So the foundation reads as follows. Um, the degree to which a person is helped, aided, and blessed by God is according to the, to the degree of his or her intention and drive. You want to be blessed? You want to be help it you want to be aided you want to be rich you want to be whatever the hell you want to be mm-hmm. that's according to the degree of your intention and drive why do you do what you're doing what is the drive what is the intention behind doing what you're doing so that is the foundation build the company on everybody believes in that link that with the core values for the company and then we started a uh, adding uh sales people to the team because at the end of the day sales is a is the oxygen for any business. If you don't have oxygen, you're going to suffocate, you're going to die. If you don't have sales, you're going to get out of business. So sales mm-hmm. is the lifeblood, you know, that pumps blood from the heart to the body. Yeah. No sales, it's, we have a problem. So um, now for for our friends and, and people who's watching us and, and listening, um, the, the, I am a firm believer, Doc, that I need to learn what not to do before you learn what to do. Okay. Because if I got that right, I probably gonna save half of the time that it took Doug, my brother, who's doing mm-hmm. great stuff, to get from point A to point B because I did not do all the stuff that I think he shouldn't be doing. And I don't know what I don't know. You don't know what you don't know right. until we know, right? Mm-hmm. So if if I'm doing something that I don't know that I shouldn't be doing, probably because I don't know what I should be doing. If you didn't point at it, that's why I'm doing it. <laughs> yeah, hundred so, percent. Um, so I had to, I had to, I had to come up with a um, a list of what is it that I shouldn't be doing. Why is most teams are almost similar? Why is most companies they hit a they hit a standard of like a hundred million? people are programmed for that now you know that like when you talk yeah. to a, a yeah. new a new entrepreneur and you like i want to make six figures i'm like okay right. well, it's just basically i want to i want to break 100 grand you know right once they hit 100 grand they're automatically programmed i want to make 250. They, they wouldn't say like 175. right it's 250. you're 100 right yeah i want to make they, the same thing's happening in my mind as you say it. yeah it's just it's just i want to do a million half a million a million yeah so the 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 number um, that most real estate teams is I need to break the hundred million. So 
50, 70, 80, 100 million. Now I, I joined the club of the big guys, you know? Mm-hmm. And why, why are most teams, and that is not just real estate, that, that's applicable to any business, um, they're, they're, they have a ceiling over their head. They're not exponentially growing as fast as they intended to do when they started. And if embodying that with the idea of, I need to learn what not to do before I learn what to do, I gotta have mm-hmm. to understand the reasons why they don't scale. What are the most common reasons that the companies don't scale? And if I can avoid that, I probably gonna scale. Right. So the the in a, in a, in a bullet point like the short term thinking that leads to a business that won't scale. Short term business meaning, or short term thinking, I mean meaning the business is not built for the future when its own team member. So we're building a sales team here. Like your your podcast is like how to build the massive sales teams. So now we're going to build a massive sales team that sell whatever the product might be. That sales team here, the people or the founders or the people that the, the, the management, mm-hmm. are, they, are they living in the future to welcome its people when they arrive? That company, that team, you're going to have to live in the future to welcome the people when they arrive to the future because they're going to the future anyway. It's a matter of time, Doc, because I may know a lot more than what Doug knows for one reason only. I'm just been in the business for longer than Doug is. Doug is a freaking smart guy. He doesn't know yet. So if I know that, I cannot afford but to respect the future version of Doug. Mm -hmm. Doug 28. So if, if I'm living in 2028 and I'm respecting, I'm speaking to Doc 2028, yeah, right now he's so green, he doesn't know anything at all, right? Mm-hmm. Which that will lead into the retention later on in the conversation, okay? But you're going to have to plant the seed from now to earn the rewards of having the retention later on. So am I living in the future to welcome Doc when Doc arrives? Because now when Doc arrives, I'm going to be like, hey, brother, I was waiting here for you. You know, thank you. You've made it. Here is what the next five years look like in your life. Because I have been yeah. there and I have done that. And I'm, I cannot afford but to live multiple steps ahead. So when yeah. Doc comes, I am welcoming him to his future. Because he came, now there is a future for that future. Mm-hmm. As opposed to be like, shoot, man, Doc is a rock star. Now how the hell are we going to keep Doc? <laughs> yeah. Make, make sense? Yeah. So... Short-term thinking that leads to a business that won't scale. The second point is designing the entire business around yourself. Mm-hmm. Designing uh, designing the entire business around yourself is you're so good, you're a rock star, business operator, salesperson, whatever field that might be, and you realize. I have a lot of leads. I have a lot of business. I'm just going to hire some idiots, you know, provide them some leads and then have like whatever compensation plan that we have. But it's all centered around me. Right. So what's going to happen is, well, that there is so multiple, so many multiple um, pictures you can draw or you can see that indicates that this business is centered around that one person. Okay. We all know that you can tell when you look at the business. It's centered on one person or not. If it's centered on one person, 
that is that's that's one of the main reasons that business is gonna is not gonna scale. Right. As fast as if it wasn't scaled around you and 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 centered around like agent centric, team member centric, employee centric, mm-hmm. not the founder centric. Okay. Um, lack of clarity, lack of clarity around the financial expectations of the business. I have no idea how deep I'm getting myself into for the financial expectations, what it takes after year one, what kind of problem those companies in my field typically face after year one. I'm in a restaurant business. I'm in a roofing business. I'm in a real estate sales business. What typical problem those companies see after one year in the business? What kind of financial implication that comes with? Am I planned for that? Am I prepared for that? Mm-hmm. What am I going to be doing CBR on my business? You know, like CBR when somebody dies and like you do CBR to save them right now. Right. You have to act immediately, like making CBR to save their life. Mm-hmm. Am I doing CBR for my business to save my business from dying? Because I wasn't planned ahead of time. I had a lack of financial expectations of, mm-hmm. of what it takes to grow my business and scale it. Because if you're not scaling it, you're actually way behind. You're dying. Yeah. So, and failure—that's a big one for me because I'm a, I'm a I'm a I'm a system guy. I'm not an integrator. We run the business based on the visionary and integrator, like the the right. EOS, EOS, EOS model. EOS model. So I am not an integrator, but I I can be the integrator because I have been there. I've done the work. Right. Um, the standard, the failure to document the procedures and the protocol for how the entire business work in case anything were to happen to you as a business operator to the number one person, the number two person, the number three person in terms of like the like importance of task rules of the job, mm-hmm. how the business is going to run. So in other words, do you have a business or do you have a job? Right. If you have a business, you're going to have to treat it as a business. And and. When it comes to like the procedures and protocols and all of that stuff, I one of my mentors told me like, "Hey, listen, Ibrahim, if your systems is so complicated or inconsistent that it requires a world-class talent to operate it, it becomes extremely difficult to grow the business." Mm-hmm. Let me repeat that: if your systems are so complicated or inconsistent. That requires a world-class person to operate that business, operate that 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 system. It's going to be very difficult for business to scale. So, simplifying everything, simple solves the complex. Simple solves the complex. So, um, that that being said, when I when I um, like identify those pinpoint of why why teams sales teams in our industry which i believe it can apply to any other industry right they get to a level and then like man i hit a ceiling i hit a ceiling whatever the ceiling might be somebody's ceiling is 50 million somebody's ceiling is 100 million right 250 million whatever that might be okay um by the grace of god we're forever grateful and we're blessed more than we deserve uh we did 400 million 411 million um in the fourth year of existence for the company that is a stupid number, Doc. That's it that's, is. that's um it and I can assure you we're not the smartest people out there. <laughs> okay. 
we're, 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 we're just keeping it simple uh -huh. because we believe that simple solves the complex. And then once you identify why, okay, I'm going to run here. You're giving me a Ferrari or Lamborghini. Hey, Ibrahim, you can 200 miles an hour. You're good to go. Perfect. Yeah. Is any speed bumps ahead of me, brother? Is there any speed bumps? Or I'm going to break the car. I'm going to crash. I'm going to die. Yeah. If it's like a paved road properly, like is, is that road like built to support the 200 miles an hour drive? What mm -hmm. is a back road country road? Like I, I responsibly, I should know that. Right. If I don't know that, I cannot call you, aka my coach at that at that, at that moment. Okay, right. Hey, coach, problem here, blah blah blah. And I, I was driving and I'm freaking I hit like a back road now. Like, are you dumb? Like, did you understand? Like, what you're driving? Like, well, that's not what the coach is for. Coach is for is to guide you. Right. Not, I mean, it's a whole different conversation here. But like, <laughs> um. Like there is there is some situational awareness that you have to have. Okay. You call it like emotional intelligence, emotional maturity, mm -hmm. situational awareness, understand what the hell is going on around you first, you know? Like yeah. don't ask dumb questions because there is no question as dumb question, but there are there are questions are dumb questions because there are some common sense you have to have done first that we wouldn't be in that situation if you did that. Right. So now to fix that, we have to go 10 steps ahead. And take the U-turn because you actually went to the wrong road to begin with. Yeah. We should have been the other way around. So um, it comes down to now, okay, cool. Now we understand um, one what, what it takes for the companies not to scale and such that by not doing them, mm -hmm. uh, it will it will allow us to scale because we'll not have those problems, right? Right. One more thing, one more thing. The business is not structured around it's a unique value proposition do you have a unique value proposition that you're structuring your business around mm -hmm. that will differentiate you and set you apart from aka the competitors because the clients like to compare you like how do you compare apple in the grocery store like which one is the right option for me as a client right so when you go ahead and do the comparison, like, are you ready for that? Are you ready to be like, they wouldn't even think twice. It's you due to your value proposition. Um, cool. Now we understand um, if you, if you, you're paying attention, I'm not saying like, here is what you do. I'm telling you, here is what not to do. Right. <laughs> like that's 100%. what, like that's, just figure out the stuff that you shouldn't be doing, which basically what you should be doing, actually. You should be doing the opposite, basically. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people, I, I, you and I, a lot of seminars, webinars, masterminds. Um, right. Um, I would love personally, that's just a personal thing. I would love for us and for the coaching um, community. Space. Yeah. Space to talk more about here is what to avoid, here is what not to do. I love and it. Use it to the opposite. Other than um, here is five things to do to go from zero to a million. <laughs> you know, it's, it's and, and, and I'll, I'll jump in here because I, I have to dissect everything that you just went through because it, it was nothing short of probably about 30 business books wrapped into an 18 minute explanation, which 
I feel like people with my attention span need, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so, but no, no, a hundred percent. My, my team, my VA team, bless their hearts. They have tried so hard to get me to do that type of trendy stuff, you know? And I just, it just doesn't come natural to me. You know, I've yeah. done it before. I've tried it. It just doesn't come natural, you know, but let's, let's, let's break this down real quick okay. because I want to make sure that our audience and our listeners understand the, the, the gold that you just gave them. Right. So the, the first thing that you said is, is what, not why, you know, and I, I think this is, this is massive because a why is a construct. It's, it's not necessary. And like you said, it's almost negative because you have to justify yourself versus just getting up and doing it because it's what you do, you know? Yeah. And so I, I love that first piece of it. And then, and then what you said really, really resonated with me about building a company that you want to be a part of before you build it. Like you're building it up here before you execute on it. And it, it did because when I took over my company at 22 years old, I had gone through four years of job to job of, you know, business owners trying to pigeonhole me and like, tell me, you know, what I was worth and all that kind of stuff. So I wanted to create a company that at 18 years old, I wanted to be a part of, Yep. yep. you know, and that yep. was our, our, our mission for the first couple of years. It wasn't our mission statement. It was just in my head. Like I want to create a company that young entrepreneurial minded men and women want to be a part of, you know? And so, and that worked really well for us. You know, we didn't do 400 million in four years. We did 5 million in four years, but, uh, so walking through the rest of it, um, I, I do, I love what you're saying about what not to do. And, and I really, I really display this on the personal side more than the business side. And, but I, I displayed it on the business side as well, because I hit that 5 million and then we hit like 3.1 the next year. Why did we go down? And so I talk a lot about the reasons why we, we go down at that point. And a lot of it had to do with culture. We didn't have a intentional culture in place. Right. And so, and then, and then you're hundred percent, right. I got to a hundred K a year and I realized, Hey, I don't need much more than this. You know what I'm saying? Like personally. And then we got to 5 million and I'm like, this is more than I ever thought I would do at 25, 26 years old, you know? And mm -hmm. so mentally and mindset wise, I gave myself a ceiling, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And so I, I could see how that happens too, but I was, I was doing better than all of my peers in the same business. So it was okay, you know? And then, I mean, the, the short-term thinking piece is huge. That, that's literally my business, right? I, I take my clients from short-term thinking on their sales program to long-term thinking. Yeah. And, it, and it would it would happen so many times, you know. We you have those key players in your company, and the first question they ask is, "Well, well, you know, what are you getting paid, and what's my piece of that, and that whole deal, right?" But it's like, hey, I understand you think it's not enough, but I'm building a company, not an individual that's going to give you an opportunity, right? I'm building an actual company Absolutely. with staff and yeah. expenses and rents and everything else. Yeah. Yeah. Just because we're not spending it now doesn't mean we won't be spending it five years from now, you know? Yeah. The, and the, so, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I always say if you're building a sales team, like I, we, we have a question that we ask clientele and then mm -hmm. and test, we tested the, how authentic and how genuine our people are mm -hmm. and who become the leaders 
is because of that question. I'm like, are you doing exactly to yourself and to the company what you do to the client? What does that mean? Basically, I go, I go like, again, we're selling real estate. Okay. So that is a client. We're sitting, when it comes to setting the expectations, okay, from, because the number one problem is lack of expectation or unmet expectations. Yeah. So when, when I set the expectation for that, for, for that, the team member, myself or the company at this case, um, Doug, we'll just have a quick question for you to make sure that we're, we're on the same page. Um, after everything's said and done, what is it that you're expecting from a world-class realtor? I'm not, I'm not asking what you're expecting um, to have done that will make you happy from the end of the transaction. I don't give a shit about all of that. Like, what are you expecting from a world-class realtor? What am I saying here is I am a world-class realtor and I'm just wondering if you have me, what is it that you're going to expect from people like me? I'm, ex- I'm not expecting you to work with anybody less than me, which is less than a world-class realtor. So what is it that you're going to expect from a world-class realtor? So now, as a company, as a team, as you're building the team, mm-hmm. use the same analogy here. What are you expecting from a world-class salesperson to come to your team? It's the same freaking coin has two sides. Right. What, what is a top producing salesperson expect from a world-class company that they run their business at? Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, they're not working for you. They're working with you. Big difference between the two. They're working with you, not for you. And those people who are not less smarter than you, in fact, some of them will be a lot more God has given them higher IQ than you and me. That's right. just, this is not something we can, we don't have control over that, okay? They're just naturally gifted, more smart people. They will choose to work their business at the company that we just happen to found. I formed a team, I formed AKA organization company for those world-class people to come work at because at the end of the day, they are the one that takes care of the client, not me. Mm-hmm. They are my clients. If you think about that. Yeah. Your sales people, your sales staff, team members, they are your immediate clients as a business operators because they are the one that takes care of the actual end user, which is buyers and sellers. The end, like the end user, basically, whatever the business you're at. Mm-hmm. So am I, Am I just saying, like, I always refer it to as, like, um, fashionable beliefs, you know? Like, like, am I just saying it or am I actually, like, doing it? Mm -hmm. Are we doing, like, oh, it's a win-win or no deal? Writing it in the walls and, you know, everybody, is that implemented in in the real ground here or just, like, uh, on the posters on the wall and frames and look fancy? In the end of the day, um, I call it the authority score. And then the higher the authority score that an organization has in the market center, the more business this organization do. What is the authority score? The authority score is a fancy way of saying you are the destination for the top producing agent salespeople to work at and never leave. That is your authority score. You're the place for the top salespeople to work at and never leave. 
the longer the people stay, the higher the authority score you're going to have because you're legit. Mm-hmm. You're, not, uh, you're not in revolving doors. Right. And there is only one. Here is the thing. The, the good thing about that is you cannot bullshit that. You cannot buy this. Right. <laughs> it's, you're either, you either have it or you don't have it. Mm-hmm. And, and that comes to the, the retention, which it's a whole different thing. We're going to get to that really quick. But the culture, if you ask Mr. Schultz, Starbucks, last I checked, they don't sell coffees. <laughs> right. You know that, right? Right. Absolutely. They sell, they sell communities. Mm-hmm. Starbucks, they sell communities, not coffees. People like to, I'm going to get my Starbucks coffee. <laughs> oh, I'm going to order Starbucks. They don't say I'm going to order coffee anymore. Right. I'm just going to get my Starbucks, which means you should understand that this is a coffee. You know, that's, that's, mm-hmm. that's my to go to. That's my, this is my membership. That's, I'm, I'm proud to be part of that place, you know? So as an organization, you're building a community. That community is formed from salespeople that you work together, they honor one another, they have an abundance mindset, they have a hundred zero, the rule, the, the, the core values. Hundred zero, we, what we have is 100% responsibility, zero excuses. 100% responsibility. Everything happens in life. I am exactly where I should be. Dog brother, I love you. You're exactly where you should be in life because you're the sum of the decision that you've made up until this moment. Take 100% responsibility of exactly where you are in life today and zero excuses for that and operate with integrity. And then comes with abundance mindset. There is more business for everybody. Mm-hmm. You will never have a competition internally People competing one another for who's going to have more business, more sales, more commit, none of that. People will gladly open their heart and open their wallets and support one another because of the abundance mindset. The culture, just so you know, um, speaking of culture, I have a, I have a line in the PL. So the PL, if if me and you went to Google and searched like what PL stands for. It's, it's a profit and loss. Mm-hmm. How about this? How about if you look at PL as peoples and lives? And then how would you, how would you uh, approach that? By the way, like I'm not saying here we're, we're a non-profit organization, you know? Right, right. We, we, are, for, <laughs> we yeah. are for profit business, okay? But we don't stop there. It's not only that. We're for-profit business. We are for-purpose business as well. So that for-purpose business will only be achieved if we look at the P&L that we established it. Okay, we're, 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 the business has to run. There is profitability. There is money because if there is no money, there is no business. Then there is no impact and there is no purpose that you're going to do anything. So it's like right. business has to be taken care of. That's an ABC. We don't have to talk about that. But if you change your mindset, and instead of looking at the numbers of like profit and loss, peoples and lives, is it, it is whatever I'm going to do right now going to impact people positively? Such that by impacting them positively, it will increase their productivity and their happiness at the workplace. Mm-hmm. Such that by doing this, it will increase my bottom line and then the company will make more money. 
buddy, it's the same crap. Yeah. Different way of looking at it. So I have a line in the PL, it's called culture. Literally, it's called culture, the PL. Mm -hmm. This is money that was spent on the team members. There is nothing in return. Like it's not like we're buying leads. It's, it's right. not like what internet lead generation, Google AdWords, SEO. Like it's not something that you quantify what the return is. I spent that right. much, generate that much. Here is the return. Now, okay, now I can do the math. Here is my. I will do more of that because that's basically profitable business for me. Mm -hmm. No, the money that you're spending in the PNL, there is no tangible ROI on it. But there is intangible, massive ROI that is almost more than a thousand percent that shows up in the magic word called retention. And then how much money do the company companies save? Or make not save necessarily. How much, how much money does the company make by retaining one of the top producing salespeople in the company, with whatever the average span of an agent or a person on that industry on a team? For example, in the real estate industry, the average span of an agent in North America is about three and a half years being on a team. Okay. What is the money? For those who don't understand what we're talking about and they all care about the freaking dollar and cents, and okay, I'm gonna speak your language now, okay? So, what is the actual money that you're retaining as a company by having that person with you for three and a half years? You do your math, let's say 100 grand. How much money you wanna spend in an investment bank account called culture? Yeah. That you will spend out of 100 that will give you back return. Let's say you're gonna spend like $5,000. Here's the thing, brother. If you're, if, if you have a company and if you're treating yourself as a world class company and, and you have one of your employees, staff, salesperson, business partner, birthday, don't freaking buy them like a gift card. Like, right. Just don't do that shit, please. You know, like they're worth more than that. Right. To the point that, we had to hire a full-time, a culture specialist position. Like, I love I'm, it. We are the only company that I know that have hired a full-time designated person. It's called culture specialist. That person job, full-time job, only keep track of the culture-related items for the company. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I know every single shoe size of every single person in the team. I know their birthdays, if they're married, I know their spouse's birthdays, I know their kids' names, I know their kids' birthdays, I know their love language, for God's sakes, I know their love language, I know their spouse's love language, or partners, I know all of that. You know why? Did you ask? Oh, yeah, of course, absolutely. Oh, yeah, all of this. Yeah, yeah. All of this. But we, 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 we have this data. So when your birthday comes up, Doc, you're going to get a very thoughtful gift that is customized that we give a shit about you, yeah. aka. Okay? If you're working in a place and your spouse at home, your partner, your son, your daughter, 
aka family member, gets a gift, they would have never received it if you are working anywhere else. What would that make you feel about the place that you're working at? Yeah. Oh, Ibrahim, this sounds so good, man. This is a lot of money. Okay, buddy. I understand that. I, I, you can, you can hear me. I have an accent in English. I don't have an accent when it comes to numbers and math. I speak that fluently. So let's just take it to the math um, language here, the universal language that everybody understands. Mm -hmm. I am asking you to come up with a number. Our number, for example, is a 7% of the top line company dollars. That's a ridiculous number. I'm not asking anybody to do that. No, I'm just saying, like, come up with a number on your own, okay? Mm -hmm. Such that by reinvesting this money in the human connection, look at it that way, dog. There is, there is a relationship equity bank account. A relationship equity bank account. It's a virtual account, not real one, okay? But I'm... I assure you, it has the highest ROI on any other account you will make in your life. The more deposits you make, you put in, the more accumulative income you make. And you look at it that way. I cannot just an open bank account. I, I mean, you and I, I think we had this conversation before. Mm -hmm. I can't open the bank account. I got my debit card from the bank. I haven't made a single deposit. And I'm just going to walk to the ATM machine, put the card in, put the bin number, and expecting money to come out. Well, nothing is going to come out. So the equity relationship bank account uh, with, with your staff, with your, with your sales team member, okay? What is it that you would like, in a summary, to invest back in them such that by doing it, it will get you continuation of the number we came up with, which is in that case was 100 grand, which is mm -hmm. a lifetime value for one sales member on your team. Right. We'll extend it for another like year, another two years, another three years, another four years. Right. If that number is five percent, you made nine hundred fifty percent ROI. In comparison, if this person was no longer with you, mm -hmm. that's literally what the math is. So I don't know if any business that will make me higher ROI than that. I would, if you do, let me know because I would invest with you. I love so, it, brother. Um, it's it, but I mean, recruiting is the single, the absolute single most critical revenue producing activities for a team that is committed to growth. Is recruiting. There is nothing that I know of more critical in producing uh, revenue producing activity than recruiting, and then you're gonna have to embody that mindset and instead of worrying and, and working your face off and working out to try to recruit new agent, new team members, new sales people, new sales people. In your company right now, do you focus on capturing your past clients? Do you talk to your sales people like we need to have a plan, drip campaigns, talk to the past clients because they're easier to convert, you know, they're higher ROI, like basically like um, the more referrals because we've built the relationship, we've done business, they know who we are, they like, trust, know us, all of that stuff. Right? We, we focus on past clients. And for some weird reason, Doc, the business operator forgot that their number one 
clientele to the business is the sales staff. Right. So they're going to go ahead and recruit newer people and forget their past client, which is the current staff. How about to re-recruit your current people? Wake up every damn morning, and what am I supposed to do today to re-recruit my people? Isn't it a lot easier to re-recruit your current people than hiring new people? Absolutely. It's not rocket science. It's just we need sometimes we need to look at things with different lenses mm -hmm. and, and, and just take a step back and realize, uh, I don't know, just have a little bit more of a critical thinking of why things doesn't work out for other people. Why, why is Ibrahim struggling with this thing over and over and over and over? Mm -hmm. like, why, why the hell would you do what I'm doing if you see me struggling with this? Like everybody, I also believe that in, in the idea of as you're building a business, you're going to have to imitate before you innovate. Okay. Because that doesn't right. go against what I'm saying. You're going to have to imitate before you innovate. But please don't just keep imitating without innovating at the same time. Right. Like, like learn from dog, the foundation, you know, and what is it that I can tweak that will make me run much faster than dog? Uh, probably that's what I should be doing. Absolutely. Yeah. We can talk for literally three days on, on some good stuff like that, but like, what, what kind of questions you have for me? <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, Hey, I know when to shut up. Okay. When, when, <laughs> when, my, when my listeners are getting something just amazing, I know when to shut up and you know, it, 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 it reminds me of before I even started consulting. Right. And I was running my sales teams and everything. And I, I got to sit, in on a Kurt Lennington presentation. Okay. Have you met Kurt yet? Uh, yes. Yes. Um, amazing individual. And um, as I was listening to his presentation, and it was all around culture, mm -hmm. I was like, "Oh man, this is the 3.0 and the 4.0 and the 5.0 of what I believe." You know, a lot of times, you know, people are very aligned. Just somebody's operating at another level. You know what I'm saying? And and mm -hmm. and very much as you're explaining all of these things. You know, I'm in, in my mind, I'm going back to times when I made changes based on the philosophies that you're explaining right now, you know, but you're just, you're doing the 3.0 and the 4.0 and the 5.0 of that level, the 7% top line revenue for giftology in the company. I mean, that's, that's massive. Um, the uh, idea of re-recruiting your current you just, people. You just, you just said it like giftology. If, if, mm -hmm. if you guys did not read the book, you probably should read it. Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. It's part of my my sales program now. You know That's what I'm saying? I'm glad. I'm glad. In, in, in terms of, you know, what I'm teaching other people and then what I've done in the past, when we started doing that, it just had such a profound effect on the ent the entry-level people more than anybody. Because mm -hmm. the, the leadership, are they, they get to that point where they kind of expect it a little bit, you know, because <laughs> they know that, it, you know, it's part of the culture. But the entry-level people are just like, wow. You know, and those are the ones that you're re-recruiting and, and you want to retain, obviously, your leadership too, but they're they're the ones, like, suggesting the gifts. They're the ones, you know, implementing the giftology, right? Um, but, yeah, there's a lot to unpack from that, and we don't have the whole show to do it. You're 100% right. And so I, I did want to point something out 
you know, because yeah. a lot of people get on the show or get on a stage or, you know, get on social media and talk about this stuff, right? But one of the things that I do is I go to their social media, which should be, you know, the easiest proof I can find that, that they're doing what they say that they're doing. You know what I'm saying? But yep. a lot of times I go to their social media and that's not the case. Well, when I went to yours, I got exactly that. So um, one of your posts was about, I don't, is, is it, so you, so you were handing out the culture award for your company recently. Yeah. This was yesterday, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or yeah, I yeah. You posted about it yesterday. And um, it, to me, like that post explains all you need to know about why you guys are number one in Canada. You know, because you're highlighting a team. And, and there's two major things in there. There's one, you're highlighting a team member for being uh, winning the culture award, right? And, and what I love about it is it's not a award bestowed by you. It's award bestowed by the whole team. Oh, it's, it's, I don't get involved in that. Nobody gets it. People vote for mm -hmm. who the award winner is. Uh-huh. And, so, and yeah, Ver it's Verana or Vedrana. Oh, won this because she introduced herself to a new teammate and then she actually went door knocking with that teammate. So that was the second piece that I heard. I was like, okay, like they're still door knocking, you know, which obviously I love all my business has been door knocking in the past. Um, yeah. So I, I kind of wanted to dive into that a little bit. First, I wanted to point out the fact that you, you. you are doing Thank what you, you say you're doing. Thank you. Thank 100%. you for noticing. Yeah. Yeah. And then the second piece is, so you guys are knocking doors. Why are y'all knocking doors? It's the the it's the foundation that never gets old. I believe um, in innovators are avoiders. They avoid the basics. It's mm -hmm. good to innovate, but being an innovator, like you're literally avoiding the actual work and looking for like the shiny objects. Um, we do we do embrace technology. We do have like literally the the highest and latest tech you can think of. We have like a big fat like online marketing like lead generation, all the fancy stuff. We have it done, okay. Right. Uh, but there are some certain situations that door knocking cannot be replaced, because if we have, if you have in our business, if you have a buyer that want to move to a specific street, specific postal code for a specific school, and there is very low turnover in that area, nobody actually people like to move in, nobody likes to sell because the school board, you know. Mm -hmm. Doesn't matter what advertising you do, like people don't move. So probably have to go and door knock to find that area. Or if we just sold the house in the area and then we have multiple offers and one lucky buyer bought the house and then there's six other buyers want to move into the area because we can have their offers, they lost. Uh, we can take that and bring it to the attention of the current homeowners in the street to bring in more business. So it's in addition to, not instead of. It's something that we do in addition to. Let me ask you this, because, you know, every every business and every salesperson at the business has several mediums from which they can generate leads and then eventually sales. Right. And so what I find is, you know, in the heavy door knocking ones, immediately the new reps are trying to find different ways to make sense. Right. Instead yeah. of focusing on mastering door knocking. Yeah. And so do you guys do anything in terms of the the makeup of the leads that they're generating or do you all have a like a door count that they have to knock or is this just one, another way that like if you want to use it, we have a system for it, we have a model, we have training, you can use it or is it more like hey, if you come to our company, you better be ready to door knock. No, no. We we we, we it's not even it's not even suggested unless you actually okay. absolutely have to. 
Okay. We have all the tools and all the resources for you to be successful. But if in a very specific situation that requires we need to go above and beyond and we probably should be door knocking that street, mm-hmm. then you're more than welcome to do that. But it's not just, 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 just don't just come in. I'm going to door knocking. I'm going to call the calling. I'm going to like, no, 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 no. Here is here right. what we're doing. We're, we're, we're almost the lane side assistant. You know, when you get out of the lane, the steering wheel vibrates. Go back uh-huh. to the lane. We're like, hey, here is what you need to do. Here is, here is what you exactly need to do. Don't worry about anything else. Yeah, 100%. It's, okay. it's not something to answer your question is not something that they they're even suggested of doing. Yeah, I got you 100 percent. OK, so. Again, a lot to unpack, and I, and I honestly, it's the first time I ever wanted to do this, but I may do a solo episode just to walk through everything that you went through, <laughs> you know, what I'm saying, because there's a lot of great stuff there. There, there, there really is, you know, um, and I want to make sure that my listeners caught everything, you know, but I, I do want to finish off with honestly, probably the number one reason I brought you on the show. Yeah. And it's because we were in a uh, executive breakout session and you told this story about your father and um, it just it, it really impacted me. It did. And I thought about it for for days after and weeks after until we eventually talked again. And I was like, I've got to get. Ibrahim on the show because you know the last question we always ask is about legacy but you have an amazing story around that would you mind telling the listeners that story yeah well, thank you brother thank you for bringing this up um i i was 14 years of age when my dad passed away and um when we say we have the good culture you know we we raise by lifting others and um it's what happens is is what we will say about you after you die and you know six months after you die people are not going to remember who you are so the whole thing and i'm like ah oh, man like what is the what is the purpose of, of doing what we're doing and okay cool to impact as many people as we can what is the real test for that what is the real test for that because anybody can say like um um um, I'm so glad, I'm so proud of what I'm doing because my business impacts other people. I'm here to impact thousands of lives. Like, where is the real test for that? That is the question. And I don't know of a real test than the funeral when you die. Your funeral when you die is the real test of if you were legit in your life, in everything you were saying, uh, in front of your kids. Because your kids are the one who's going to witness your funeral. You're not going to be here to see that. Um, but what is it that's going to happen and what is it that's going to take place when you die? So, um, I, um, I'm 36 years now. So, uh, 22 years ago, my dad passed away. I was 14. I wish that there was any cameras or like, you know, like, like 15 second videos or whatever we're doing nowadays, kind of like capture moments, uh, mm-hmm. but it, it is engraved in my head. So, uh, we are a, my dad asked it to be buried in the city that he was born at, which is about three and a half hours from the city that we live in. So when he passed away, uh, he was in the hospital in that in that in that city. Um, so he asked to be like buried buried in, in, in the same place with the rest of his family. So the company, uh, the company that my dad used to work at in, in our city that we used to live in, um, every single employees, every single coworker all the people in the company they like literally made buses like they, they brought in buses filled the entire buses everybody traveled for three and a half hours 
every single community member, every relative, every neighbors, everybody in that little town that he asked to be buried at attended the funeral to the point that the streets were shut down. The streets were shut down. They're like, it was like a protest. You know, when you have like a, a political protest, like how people look like, that was like that for his funeral. So thousands of people. And I I understood what he meant by um, your reputation is everything. And what people say to you about after, what did they say about you after after you die is, is is a real testament and, and a proof of how good you are. So I, I know how good my dad was. I know how how legit uh, what he was saying because I've got to witness that. And I don't know of a real test of us as human being saying that we're doing this and this and such that and that mm. other than that test. It's, um, I, it's, it's very deep for me and, and I take it um, I don't take it slightly, and, and my biggest um, my biggest goal that I'm working towards is when my daughter grow up, and when I pass away, she gets to witness. You know what? My dad was legit, because mm-hmm. here is how many people that came in to walk in his funeral. This is how many people that they say good stuff. This is the people that he used to say that were impacting their lives. Now I get to see what he was talking about. So if if you're a business owner operator. Um, and don't get me wrong. As you're growing your business, you're gonna piss off a lot of people. You don't need those people in your funeral. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah, of course. Just make sure we're keeping it real here, you know. Yeah. Um, but like, if you're pissing off everybody, I'm pretty sure like there is a common dominator here. That's you. I mean, you have to work on yourself. But I, the point is, uh, you're not gonna you're not gonna expect everybody that you do business with to come walk in your funeral. But you probably should expect the majority of it. And reversing engineers everything and do the math of how many people you need to walk in your funeral and and adjust that accordingly and and work accordingly that that happens when when the time comes because here is the reality you don't know when that happens doc mm-hmm. you don't know when that happens. that might happen anytime so i it's a test for us for for all our friends and listeners viewers and if you're running a business if you're if you're if you have some sort of authority or like leadership you know people around you people that you lead mm-hmm. um, just ask yourself that question if you were to die tomorrow if you actually were to die tomorrow would people that you've dealt with if they live in a different city if they would they already get jumping a plane and fly would they travel would they come mm-hmm. attend the funeral or not because if not you have work to do yeah, you know, and that's that keep the answer for yourself. If you don't think that this is gonna happen, here is a real test. Here is a real test. You don't wanna you don't want the answer to be opposite to what you keep saying when you were alive, because you would not you're not gonna be there to defend it anymore. And that that in itself that that should move you. That should move you to be very very purposeful and intentional with everything you're doing. But thank you, brother, for, for, for asking about my father. I appreciate it. He's oh. my role model. And uh, um, God, uh, God have all uh, mercy of our, on his soul, what he is now. Yeah. Absolutely, brother. I, I couldn't agree more. And that's why, you know, I knew I, I had to have you on this show to, 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 to walk people through that because it's, it's not what they want to hear. It's not. Because when you really think about it, you know the truth, you know. And, yeah. and the idea of, of your funeral is that 
you know, of course, people that are there for that season and that are with you in that season are going to be there at the funeral. Mm -hmm. Everybody has that. That's the, you know, 50 or 100 people that show up, right? Um, but what about the people that you impacted 10 years ago, 20 years ago? Like, how deep does that go? And I think that's when the numbers go through the roof, you know? And, 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 and I do. The, the impact you have to have in someone else in order for them to come to your funeral. And I'm not talking about the spouses or the, you know, people that are there for emotional support. I'm talking about the people that are like, hey, we have to go to this. We got to stop what we're doing. And we, and we have to go pay respect to this man or woman. I think, you know, I think you're 100% correct. It's a true testament to the impact you've had in your life. Yeah. And I, I just, I don't know for other real tests, though. That's, that's, the, that's a test. And that's a real test. You cannot, um, I don't know. It's very hard to uh, stage it. I agree. Brother, I appreciate you so much for coming on the show and just, just laying all this wisdom on us. I think that is the least... I've talked in an episode ever, <laughs> you know, you, I, I have a little tracker at the end of the show and I'm sure it's going to say like 8%, you know, <laughs> normally it's around 30%, you know, but you, you were, you were just going through these things and, and we can see how you were able to build what you have right now and that you're going to continue to build on top of that. So again, brother, thank you for uh, coming on the show. And if anybody wants to follow Ibrahim, we're going to have his uh, social media links in the show notes. So definitely take advantage of that. And I guarantee you won't regret it. Much love, brother. I appreciate you. Thank you for that. It's an honor. All right, brother. Let's get building. Take care, brother. God bless you. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Building Great Sales Teams podcast. We really do appreciate it. As you know, we believe that great leaders build great teams. How do you become a great leader? You learn from the greats. Join us at the Million Dollar Mastermind put on by Ryan Stuman in Frisco, Texas, and learn everything that you need to learn to be that great leader. The link will be in the description below. As always, we ask that you like, share, and subscribe wherever you consume podcasts so you can stay up to date with the Building Great Sales Teams podcast. Let's get building.